And good evening. This is Greg Korea from Harmonix. And you know, I got a great special guest here tonight. I got the great Frank Samars. Frank, I know you're playing right now, so I'm just going to let you just riff a little bit. And, you know, I wish I had a glass of a nice glass of martini, of anything really, and a beautiful blonde. Both of us want to have that, but I'm going to let Frank play a little bit. Wow, Frankie, that was really beautiful. Frank, it's so great to have you as my guest tonight. Um, would you like to go over to the TV studio? We could talk about some things, uh, some about your history, and some. Just, it's such a pleasure and an honor to have you tonight. Would you mind going over to the TV studio? I'd love to. Thanks for having me. Okay, thank you, Frank. We're going to go over to our TV studio and uh, just hang in with us right now. Wow, it's so good to have Frank in our studio. I know you just heard him. And um, Frank, um, I got some questions I want to ask you about your life and what you're doing, what you have been doing. Okay. Um, what actually got you, you were raised in a Portuguese traditional family. Big time. What actually <laughs> got you involved in playing music? Well, my father was a musician. He played all the string instruments, mandolin, guitar, violin. and. Uh, we probably wouldn't have been involved in music because he was going to enter us in Catholic school. And we went to the Catholic school and he asked how the band was there. And uh, so they said they didn't have music. This was at All Saints Parish. No kidding, so right in said, Hayward. Yeah, so he said, well, then instead of going to Catholic school, we we're going to send them, enroll them into private school. And that's how it started with everything. And I have an older brother, three years uh, my senior. And uh, he started playing clarinet. I wanted to play drums and trumpet or something, and they, they ran out of instruments, those instruments. So I, I got stuck on clarinet. And then, of course, down the line, it went that way, you know, that uh, he wanted to play saxophone. I wanted to play saxophone. <laughs> and then in a, in a traditional Portuguese uh, music thing, uh, my dad, like I said, played violin. We used to, he used to take us to Portuguese picnics, and he'd be playing guitar or mandolin or violin. And then my brother would play guitar, and I'd play a smaller instrument it's like a five string uke mm -hmm. in portuguese it's called rejão i love but it but it's a five string, string uke instead of a four string uke so that's how basically i got involved um, and then piano came a little later. You know, I wanted to talk about the piano since that is a, a rather large instrument. I know a lot of people have it in their house but what pushed you that way to to take piano or your first lessons? What was le what was your first lessons? I didn't study piano my first lessons. It's really funny. Um, my brother was playing in, in groups, being three years older than I was, mm -hmm. and uh, his piano player, I guess, 
they moved. And so he, he didn't have a piano player in his group. He decided he was going to learn how to play piano. So he, he bought a piano and put it in, in the house, in a room. And uh, he tried to play piano, and it was really wild because his left hand wanted to do exactly what his right hand did. You know, he had no, no coordination. Yeah, no coordination. <laughs> it was like crazy. So he let the piano sit. So I, I was going to these concerts in about 14 or 15. I, uh, I um, started hearing this band, a Rudy Salvini band. And uh, the trumpet player, they kept saying that he was the arranger of most of the tunes. Mm -hmm. So I went up to him and asked him, and I think I was 15 or so, and, and asked him, would he teach? Would he teach me private, privately? So he said, yeah. So he used to come to the house and teach me arranging. And then he finally said, you know, but you're going to have to learn how to play some piano because that's the key to everything, right? That's like an orchestra. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, to help with the arranging. So I started fooling around with the piano, and believe it or not, the piano came way faster than the saxophone. No kidding. Yeah, I thought, you know, it's like that old thing, this must be my instrument of fate, you know? And so that's what happened. But I never studied classical piano. Wow, that is which so is, wild, because it seemed like that would be the way to go. It, it should have been the way to go. But you did it, th you did Frank I did, I did it sort of backwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was really funny, because uh, the time when I came to Chabot, when I decided to come back to well, I didn't decide, uh, Gene Graves and Elliot Sharn would oh, help me come back. With some great names. Yeah, to school. Um, it used to be funny that in the classroom, the gal, the teacher would say, Mr. Samaris will now attempt a C major scale. And so I'd go, da, 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 clunk, 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 clunk. And the kids would roar. And then she'd say, play him a tune. And I'd play a tune. Oh. They'd go, how do you do that? You, you know, know being, being that, <laughs> it was in Hayward, right? Am I correct? Yeah. Now, being in Hayward, what, what was, how was the music scene? Where would you go to listen to music? I mean, you know, you know was, it was it vibrant? It, or no, no. The music scene, as far as jazz was concerned, mm -hmm. nothing was happening. Mm -hmm. But there, there was a club, I think it was called the Little Club, mm -hmm. in San Leandro, that used to bring in like Shorty Rogers and Bud Shank and Gerald Wiggins and some guys. It, it was a, a club that was downstairs. Wow. And they used to have these guys, and we could go on Sundays, even if you were young. Mm -hmm. But my brother and I, we used to, <laughs> used to pull a little, you know, scam on my folks. That's quite all right. And go to Bop City in San Francisco, oh, in and and we tell them we we're going to sleep over with some, with some of our friends, and <laughs> Ma, if you're watching, I'm sorry, you know. <laughs> and <laughs> and, uh, and so we'd go to this this club that opened at two o'clock in the morning, mm -hmm. and then you could stay like two to six, and all the heavyweights that were in town, yes, used to come there, and man, it just, you know was a thrill to see all these guys that you were listening to on record. Tell me, you know, you know, now that we've got into a little bit of Bob City and mm -hmm. that was such a, a legendary club oh, that boy. it should be more, uh, you know, somebody should investigate or do some more research. Tell me who you've seen in Bob City. Oh my God, Just, I, I got to see, uh, let's see. Oh, I'm trying to think of heavy names here. How about Billie Holiday? Did you get to no, see No, I didn't get to see Billie Holiday. Um, I saw Stan Getz, I saw... Um, wow. I'm trying to think of the heavyweight. I saw Oscar Peterson there. Oh, I'm Oscar. Trying to think. Yeah, because these guys, they would finish their job from like, say, 9 till 12 or 9 till 1. Right. And then they'd go get something to eat, and then they'd come to the club. But they had a house group, uh, a steady house group, and every once in a while they'd let you sit in, you know, mm -hmm. if you could play. But it was, a I mean, it was a tough thing at that time because you... Uh, you either had to play or you were you walked out the door. Wow! It was with cutting sessions at that time. What? So when you when you were actually uh, cutting your teeth, to say when mm -hmm. you when you first started doing what what 
moved you towards jazz? What was it that really kind of, uh, I know you were in the service for a while. Yeah. But what actually uh, but I, st you? I started liking jazz. And again, it was the brother thing, mm -hmm. believe it or not. Really? Yeah. In fact, that's how I got into the service. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> that's another story. Okay. But what happened was that my brother started playing at the old Hayward High. He was in the jazz band there. Mm -hmm. So I started listening to jazz. And the thing that intrigued me the most was the improvisation, oh. you know, that you could improvise. In other words, I could play the melody, and then I could see what creativity I had inside of me mm -hmm. bring it out. And that's what interested me uh, a, a lot, mm -hmm. to see what I could do. When you, when you say improvisation, mm -hmm. um, and it, it basically comes from your own soul, mm -hmm. who, who, who do you think is, well, there's so many great ones, yeah. but for piano-wise, who would be your guy that you uh, kind of look up to? I still, uh, you know, he's been gone a long time, but I still love Bill Evans. Bill, Bill Evans was so creative. Uh, I mean, an actual genius. Mm -hmm. You know, he really was. He, from what I understand, Bill, back in the day, he also took in a lot of jazz guys because he had a, a place where they could actually crash after you were talking about Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what made Bill Evans th th that so great? I think his openness. Oh. You know, his openness to move. Uh, to move music even further than it was. I mean, he, he was adventurous. He didn't like actually playing the same things constantly. He really didn't like it. So he was always trying to go on go, the outside. Yeah, he'd take a tune and, and expand it, you know, like say Autumn Leaves or something. He'd, he'd, he'd get the tune, stretch, 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 and every, every chorus was an invention. Wow. You know, and so that's where the, the genius would come from. And it, I mean, he played with Miles and he played with I wanted to ask people. you something about Miles yeah. and that uh, collaboration. Miles was such a temperamental and an egotistical gentleman, but a great genius. What made those guys blend so well? Because Sketches of Spain, I mean, that, you could put I that think, as his. I think that Miles respected Bill's genius. And there were funny stories. I mean, really funny stories. Do you have he, one? The joke, yeah, jokes. I mean, one time Miles was was in the studio and he was talking to Jimmy Cobb and a couple other guys, and these guys were black musicians. Right. And uh, Bill Evans came over and said, you know, hey, I I think we should do something like this. And Miles said, What do you know, man? You're white. <laughs> <laughs> but he was just joking. Joking. Man. Joking. He used to pull Bill Evans' leg constantly, <laughs> constantly. You know. So. Um, that's a great story. <laughs> you know, you, you taught at Chabot for how many years? I retired uh, with 25 under my belt. 25 years. Yeah. This gentleman um, was at our school. I got to meet him. Come to find out we were related somehow in, in family <laughs> ways. My father-in-law, um, Tony Barboza, married his beautiful daughter, Victoria. But what's really beautiful about this, Frank and I hit off because we have the same kind of backgrounds being both Portuguese, but also the love of music. And Frank, what what propelled you? You had some great jazz bands. What do you what kind of setting do you like to play in? Do you like to play in small com uh, you know, small combos, big com uh, you know, big bands or, you know, small settings? What is the best for my you? Fa my favorite is small groups. Small really? groups. I really love the trio setting. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, big bands it's, it's kind of difficult because you're, you're the piano player, and a lot of times you can't even hear the piano player. You got, I can understand. You know, yeah, 10, 12 horns going blat, and you can't, and then, then they want to hear you when they're soloing. Where's my chord changes, you know, so you have to come. 
Uh, I mean, I do play in big bands, but not that often. It's like Latin bands. I, I don't play too much Latin bands mm -hmm. uh, because of the repetitiveness of the piano. Right, I noticed that. Yeah, in four days of ding, 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 ding. <laughs> you know, I, I have a hard time with that. But with mm -hmm. the trio, I get to play um, uh, the, the melody. I get to improvise. Um, as much as I want. I can do my own intros, my own endings. I mm -hmm. get to call the shots mm -hmm. and I still have the bass player and drummer mm -hmm. to work mm -hmm. with, mm -hmm. you know, give them solos and stuff. I seen a, a, a picture of you. You showed me a picture of you in your younger days. You were you were playing in some combo, and you had your little you had like this little pencil mustache. That's right. Yeah. Now it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Where was that? Do you remember that picture? Oh, that was on my desk. Yes, that was in San Francisco. I was playing with a um, a bass player, Cat Swan, and I. The drummer's name was Eddie something, mm -hmm. uh, but we were doing some gig. I think it was in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. um, and the tri it was a trio gig, right. and we were we were getting ready to back a comedian, and mm -hmm. somebody took that picture. We were backing a comedian by the name of Sammy Shore. Oh, Sammy Shore. The yeah. Sammy Shore. That yeah. Okay. Uh, Polly is that Polly Shore's father. father. That's um, right. But does he? They look similar? No. Not really. No, okay. no, no. But Sammy Shore was one funny guy. Yes, they, that's yeah. what I've so heard. So what they would do is they they'd let us play like a, a you know a, maybe a fourth of a set, and then they'd bring him on, and then he'd do his bit. So somebody had taken a picture, yeah. So, and then you did that, and then you've had some good players. Could you name some of the players that, I think, it wasn't Garibaldi, didn't Garibaldi, Gabe Garibaldi Gar play? Garibaldi came here, but he played with Gene Graves. He was under oh, Gene was Graves' under tutelage. Genius. Yeah. But during, during my time, I mean, even at Castor Valley High School, I had guys like Jeff Beal. And now if you go to TV shows, it'll say usually music by Jeff Beal. That's Jeff. Yeah. That's he's, him. Yeah, Jeff wow. Beale. He's and who was the bass player? player that John Patitucci. Thank you. John Patitucci is probably God, one of the best heaviest in the world. Bass, yeah, one of the heaviest probably bass players. And I was fortunate to have them. Mm -hmm. I mean, these guys. Well, it's like Lettucey. When Lettucey was here, right. what a great gal. I mean, she had so much talent that you know all I had to do was sort of chip away the the bad stuff. Exactly. You know, it was all there. So right. people say, "Man, you must be a great teacher." I don't know about that. Maybe I'm good at chipping away, right. but uh, these people, yeah, yeah, they all had their talent there, and they just needed to have it brought out a little wow, bit. So I was fortunate to be in the right place at the right time. You really, I, I, I see. You really enjoy teaching. I mean, you really enjoy that uh, that yeah. interaction with students. So, what is the thing when when you get a student when he first gets in there? What are you actually looking for to to make him learn theory or to learn jazz? What are you actually looking for the person? What, how do you go about, like, say, the first couple steps? I'm trying to find out how, how he learns, how the student would learn. Mm -hmm. You know, because, and, and I do that at San Jose State. I usually ask the student, you know, do you, do you know how you learn individually? There's four, four ways of, of learning, you know, like, there's people who are like the video crowd. You can show them a video, they love it. Right. and half the class will fall asleep. Exactly. I could give a lecture for an hour and people will love it, you know, right. love, talk to me. Right. And, and other people like to take notes, you know, yes. keep talking, I'll take notes. Yeah. You could assign 400 chapters to somebody and they'll love to read it. Other people, they read the first sentence and they're out. Exactly. So I try and do a little of everything mm -hmm. to catch everything. So mm -hmm. when I get to the student, I want to find out how they learn uh, and then approach it at that angle. Mm -hmm so that I can get to them without wasting a bunch of time. That's so amazing. You know, you were talking about playing in small combos. Yeah. Uh, you did a stunt, I remember uh, you were playing in San Francisco for a while and you were playing at Coletto's. Yeah. How was that? I mean, how was that playing in Coletto's? You've probably seen a lot of 
diversity that, I, I should use. Oh, you, you know? yeah, that You've was... seen a lot of different people, but oh, what yeah. was it like just, you know, just being the background music and... It was great. It was great. I mean, it was a lot of work because I was still working here full time. But I was, uh, I did that five nights a week for almost six years. Wow. So I'd get done here, go home, change, catch Bart, boom, walk up the hill to Powell, mm -hmm. and it'd be there. But they, they were so nice to me. I had my own locker. They would feed me. Uh, everybody knew me there. People That's used to ask. Good. People used to ask if I was the owner. You're here all the time. You must be the owner. Yeah, but I used to meet just tons of great people. Yeah. Wow. You, San Francisco is such a oh, such a great international city. It is. Um, it's a mix. When when you're playing in there, did people actually come up and ask for certain pieces to be played? You bet. What was probably the most requested? Or the, what was probably the most misty? Uh, and, and it was surprising. Uh, even even the Brazilian people that used to come in, I would think they'd be sick of Girl from Ipanema, but they'd come in and they'd say, could you play Girl from Ipanema? Really? Oh, yeah. Really? And, and, you know, it was such a good gig because um, I was right, across, right around the corner from all the shows. Exactly. And so, ACT uh, and all that. Yeah, and the manager, what a hip manager. He used mm -hmm. to tell me, don't you dare play like Chariots of Fire. He said the last piano player before me that was there, he'd play Chariots of Fire 10 times a night and the waiters were ready to, to, to choke him. So then he said, and don't play anything from Phantom. And I said, thank you. Thank oh, you, man. That I was great. Yeah, I didn't so have So he gave you a little inside tip. Yeah, yeah. Don't, you need guys they like don't that. want to. Yeah, he said the waiters and waitresses were pretty hip. So he says, just play your light jazz and play some bossa novas and things. So, you know, what a good position to be in. Oh, great. <laughs> Frank, what is, um, what do you do? I mean, when you're at home and you're, you know, you're relaxing and you, you, you go to the ivories, what, are, what, are, what do you actually do to make, inspire you? What, what is it, what is it, what do you do? When you're around the keys, it's kind of crazy. I sort of just let it go. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I don't try and force anything. I just start noodling, and I, I tell my students to do the same thing: experiment. Just mm -hmm. sit there and and try and become one with the piano. It's, mm -hmm. it sounds weird. It sounds like a Zen thing almost, right. you know. But it's true. If you can get next to the piano, it's like people would say, "How can you play piano and talk to me at the same time?" Or if the lights go out, how can you do that? You know, because <laughs> You get next to the piano, you know where things are, mm -hmm. you know. It's like uh, a blind pianist, that feeling, that touch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times I'll just sit there and just start noodling and hit on something. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I hit on something, I try and come back to it. Then I'll try and stretch it. Mm -hmm. And pretty soon a song is starting to come. Wow. You know, or, or a nice line or something. Mm -hmm. Now, when, when you're doing that, are you writing it down so you memorize it? Or do you have just put like, you know, we, mm -hmm. musicians go on charts. Yeah. I, I read charts, and I know that jazz is so much more progressive uh, than most music. It should be, you know, jazz. Is I just, write it down. You actually write yeah. it down, so you actually have your chord structure. Even more so now that I'm older. <laughs> <laughs> is that because of forgetfulness? That's right. Yeah, yeah. When I was young, I, you, I could remember, you know, dozens of things. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I like to write it down because I know that there's a lot of times I'll sit at the piano and I can't find it again. So if I write it down... It's right there it'll, for you. Yeah, it'll come right back, and I can even expand on that more. You know, you talked about, um, before we got on the air, 
um, you talked about your teaching school at San Jose. Yeah, San Jose State. Uh, and you made a comment about World of Jazz. Yeah, yeah. What, give, give the audience a little insight what that actually means to when, to when you say world, world of Jazz. Well, see, a lot of times people will teach, and the course will just be called Jazz History. I mean, it was, that's what it was called here. I don't even know if it's still called Jazz History here. Um, but when you start saying worlds of jazz, boy, that just broadens the scope. I mean, it takes into everything. I mean, I talk about Indian music and ragas and the whole thing. Because anything that's improvised should be considered jazz. I can understand. Yeah. Oh, so, that's a good way. Yeah, so it expands everything, and believe it or not, it's a good way to get some grant money. Oh, is that how that works? Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's we a good, that. good fishing pole. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so when when you're teaching, so are you teaching also uh, jazz history or world of jazz history, or you got a? Yeah, uh, I so I start I start from from the beginning. I start from Africa oh. and bring it forward, mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, uh, and so I have some videos that I show mm -hmm. showing you know exactly how we got the rhythms and the melodies, European melodies mm -hmm. and. Etc. And then uh, I do come forward. I, I I give a little history of that, and then I go to New Orleans. I was just and say. then New Orleans to Chicago. Mm -hmm. We get into the swing era and uh, just carry it over. We I mean I get as far as free form, avant garde, Latin jazz, and the various different mm -hmm. Latin jazz. You know, mm -hmm. uh, and then get into like I say Indian ragas and the whole thing. So it it uh, it's a huge. I, I have 16 weeks to do it. Oh. So, so you're, you're really, yeah, you're so really working. I wrote a couple names down, and I'm just, just give me a little bit of a spill, 30-second take on them or whatever. Um, Louis Armstrong. Oh, my God. S tell me well, a you know, how you feel about Louis. Yeah, well, the same, same way I think that uh, I have, a, I have a, a videotape that says Wynton Marsalis, by Wynton Marsalis, and he says the same thing that most people do. I mean, Louis was the beginnings. You know, mm -hmm. right. he, he, I mean, we still call him the father of us all, right. jazz-wise, and mm -hmm. you know, people still call him pops. But the guy was so so talented, and uh, and such a great ambassador, ambassador, yeah, to the world mm -hmm. for jazz. I mean, he he was our best advertisement. Totally, I, I think yeah. he has a yeah. record uh, ambassador. I think you gave it to me. Maybe I don't. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, but he's the ambassador. Um, I'm gonna uh, Duke Ellington. Oh my goodness, Duke. Duke was like, uh, you know, the leader of men, uh, the leader of a band for a long time. Uh, he had some of the best soloists, and he, he wrote so many different things. He was one of those guys, there's a, there's a, a, um, a term in music called timbre. Mm -hmm. It's spelled T-I-M-B-R-E, it looks like timber, but it's mm -hmm. timbre. And timbre means the color that you can produce in music, the different color combinations. Right. And Duke would write, he'd write for like muted trumpet, a guitar, and flute or something mm. that nobody had done before. Right. He wrote things that, that he could caravan. make the instruments sound like jungle animals. Exactly. Yeah, caravan. the jungle suite. Yeah, caravan, any of those things. He put instruments together and that was the beauty of it. And he was probably one of the few guys that could write exactly how it's supposed to be. You know, that you'd go, you know, and he'd, he could write that. that. right there, that scat he, little thing. Yeah, he'd write that down. Oh. And the musician would see it and play it because that's exactly what it looks like. And other guys would write something close to that. Right. This is what he thinks it looks like. And he'd write it right but, Yeah, Duke would write it. Dave Brubeck. Oh my goodness, Dave Brubeck. We just got to see him. I go to the Monterey Jazz Festival uh, every year, my wife and I, and uh, Dave was just there. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was funny. They had some younger guys on who were sort of avant-garde and, mm -hmm. you know, new age and blah, blah, blah. Right. They didn't swing at all. 
And here comes Brubeck, and he had a bunch of older guys with him, a bunch of gray, us gray hairs, man. He had Bobby Militello <laughs> on sax and a couple other guys, and they swung. They, they were the guys I that still it. swung, See, and the crowd was with them. You yeah. know, and he's local guy. Oh, yeah, Concord. Concord, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you mentioned, and I want to get this because we just got a, a few more minutes to the mm -hmm. show. Um, you won an award. And I, I, it's the California, was it the California? Yeah, there's a group called the California Music Educators Association, CMEA, mm -hmm. and uh, I belong to it for years. Mm -hmm. They do a lot of good stuff and they have festivals and everything. And so uh, Saturday, I, I couldn't believe it, I received a letter in the mail and I thought it was going to be my, my uh, uh, judging schedule because right. I judge a lot of jazz festivals. Right. And so, so um, I opened the letter and it says, Dear Frank, says, you have been awarded uh, outstanding Jazz Educator of the Year, 2009. And I thought, well, this is must be just for the bass section, and it's for the state of California. Congratulations. So after I got up off my knees. What a, you know, I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the midst of genius. Oh. I, I mean, I can't tell you how much I respect this gentleman. What a great honor. What a great honor for you to be on my show. Well, thank you for that, even asking. You know, I, I, it's just fabulous to have you on the show. Um, Frank, thank yeah. you so much. Thank you, Cubs. Thank you so much, baby. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to uh, thank uh, everybody that came today. Um, you'll be seeing us next week. And uh, if you want to come on my show, and if you look at both of us, you got to wear shades. Hey! So God bless you. <laughs> this is Greg Korea from Harmonix. We'll see you again. Thank you.